This is the iTest Podcast. Cobes, play the music. This is the iTest. You know we better than the rest. We keep it real, we never lie. from the grid, I am too diamond talking Mets, Jets, and Bets. It's the iTest. Alrighty. Welcome back to the iTest Podcast. I am your host, Brian Donovan. Today is Wednesday, January 18th. This is season two, episode two, the divisional round. I'll be a bit more specific, the 2022 NFL divisional round. As always, please uh, subscribe, rate, review, share this around your NFL network. Follow me at Dono Podcast on Twitter. Shoot me an email. Do whatever you got to do to get in touch with me. Would love to uh, to go back and forth here with you. So let's uh, let's let's get into some stuff here. We got a lot on the agenda. Um, I'll take you through that now. So so firstly, a, a really super quick check in on the playoff futures that I outlined last week in season two, episode one. Get a pulse check on where we stand with those. From there. Move on to a, a very, I just want to point out a very important lesson that I learned last week. I'll get into more detail exactly what that, what that means. Um, after that, do a wild card round review. Talk about the, the, the list of the most impressed in ranking by the winners and least impressed by ranking among the six losers of the past weekend. Give some divisional round thoughts. I'm not going to make picks just yet. It's just a little early in the week for that. But I'll talk through the lines, talk about uh, you know the over-unders and just where I'm thinking these games go. And then finally, um, some some divisional round props. There, there really weren't many available just yet. And I noticed last week when I did the wild card round, um, there, there weren't as many when I did the show as there were on like Saturday morning. So follow me on Twitter to see what I'm doing. Um, hopefully I got, I got some ugliness behind me and better days are to come on the, uh, on the betting front for, for this week. So maybe you just time it better this week. So let's get into it. A quick check-in on the playoff futures. Last week I placed two wildcard weekly specials through the podcast. Firstly was the highest scoring team. I had the Vikings at plus 650. They were third in line after the Bills and 49ers. Overall, a pretty high scoring weekend. The Vikings were not among one of the top teams. So that was not a good pick. Uh, San Francisco at home took it with 41 points. They were second in odds. So nothing Nothing too crazy that we missed out on. Um, lowest scoring team of the week, though. I'm actually kind of kicking myself for this. Um, I took Seattle at plus 350. They were the, the the leader in that group. I also took a long shot team with the Bengals at plus 1800. And while I think I had some good instincts there, I, I really should have got the Bucks. I don't know what their odds were, but the, it just makes so much sense looking back on it. The Cowboys played such great defense all year and the bucks are were just terrible all year their offense was shot and it looked so shot on monday night brady looked so shot bowls is incompetent really should have hit that one i'm i'm pretty pretty pissed about that one but all right living you learn i think uh, i've taken a lot of notes here for for next wild card weekend in 2023 so so get ready for that uh moving on to the playoff specials 
Um, these are not yet settled. These last the entire life of the playoffs. So uh, it, it'll be fun to keep track of this. Uh, most playoff passing yards. I actually took the guy who was sixth in line here. And after one week, it's looking decent. I had Brock Purdy at plus ten, th- uh, plus a thousand. He's ten to one. Um, I, I cited, you know, his his path to getting to the NFC Championship game being, you know, against Seattle and what I thought was going to be against Minnesota, two of the worst passing defenses in the league. Um, it's not working out that way. They they do have to play a tougher defense in in Dallas, but at least they are home for that game. So um, right now, as it currently stands. Among the winning quarterbacks last week, Josh Allen's in the lead with 352, but Brock Purdy's right there. He had 332, so just 20 off the lead. Also up there, Daniel Jones at 301. What a what a day. Um, Dak was actually 305, so there, Jones and Dak are in that mix of just being a little bit off of Purdy. Uh, Trevor Lawrence had 288, and then Burrow. I don't, I don't know how he keeps getting away with this. 209 yards in a playoff game with a W. Just... Kind of pisses me off a little bit. Uh, most rushing yards. Again, if you remember, this is a weird list. Josh Allen was actually second on the list at plus 700. Um, he did not do much from a rushing standpoint. Fifth, uh, Hertz was fifth on the list at 10 to 1. Obviously, hasn't played a game yet, which is why I didn't take him. Um, Pacheco was sixth on the list at plus 1,200. Um, I, I just uh, I don't, I don't get that at all. Um, so I actually went with the guy who was seventh on the list. Uh, and by the way, McCaffrey was obviously first and he's in the lead right now. So right now it's the chalk, but I took Tony Pollard. He was seventh in the list at plus 1400. And, um, you know, I, I noted that the, the, uh, Bucks and, and Eagles, which I thought their path was going to be, was actually pretty soft from a run defense standpoint. Um, the Bucks played pretty tight defense from the, from, from a rushing standpoint. You got to give it to them. Their, uh, you know, rush defense wasn't awful on Monday night, but Pollard is just that good. To, to get 77 yards out of that game when, when Zeke was getting like a couple yards of carry, it's really impressive. And I, I think it, it officially, if it didn't already officially, it now officially, officially looks like Pollard is the 1A to Zeke's 1B. And that was the reason, the real reason why I took Pollard for, for this bet is I thought they were just saving his legs and they were just getting ready to unleash him this round. So uh, or, or this playoff run. So I think that's what we started to see. As it stands right now, McCaffrey's in the lead with 119. ETN is actually second on the list at 109. And then Pollard's right there with 77. So, you know, it's a, it's a distant, um, you know, 77 and McCaffrey's 119. But, you know, if they beat, you know, his, his opponent is playing on the other side of the sideline from him this upcoming week. So if they win this game, then, you know, I think Pollard's in really good shape to win this bet. No one else is really in the mix. Saquon with only 53 yards, albeit an extremely effective 53 yards, um, only like nine carries or something like that. So he's at 53 right now. Um, you know, he's very, he's alive for sure. But you know, I, I was surprised to see that he's over 20 yards off of Pollard right now. Singletary's at 48. Uh, he's not a threat in this and mixing only at 39. I, I don't think they're threats to this either. Um, I'm not sure what Josh Allen had, but I know Singletary was the leader for Buffalo at 48. So he couldn't have had too many. Moving on to the playoff receiving yards. Um, I took Diggs at plus 600. He was the leader. I actually thought it was just good value to get the leader in this bet. Uh, currently of the winning top receivers, Debo is in the lead at 133. I, I, I really don't think he's a threat to win this. Um, you know, if they win the Super Bowl, maybe it's a different story, but um, they just, they spread the ball around so much and he's not going to, 
he can take, you know, an eight yard pass, 74 yards as well as anyone I can ever remember. But to think that he's going to do that every week, um, yeah, it's just not quite so sustainable. Um, so, you know, he, he got, um, like half of his yards, more than half of his yards on one play. So, you know, I'm, I'm not too worried about Debo winning this. They, they run the ball so much, spread it around. Um, Diggs is next at 114. So really good shape there. Uh, third on the list so far is Isaiah Hodgins, at 105 yards. Unbelievable. Um, next up is actually two tight ends, Dalton Schultz at 95 and Evan Engram at 93. I think Engram would be more fun and a realistic chance to win this if you did take that, but it's, I can't imagine it goes that way. Schultz isn't going to sustain 95 yards a week. Uh, Jamar had 85 or 84, so he's very much alive. And then CeeDee Lamb only 68. So right now, I think uh, I feel really good about Diggs. Um, yeah, the, the offense just funnels through him. They throw the ball so much. It's just a different setup than what Debo has with his, you know, 20 yard cushion. They just run the ball so much and spread the rock around. Whereas the bills don't run the ball and throw to Diggs all the time. I took a prop for Diggs to have over, uh, six or more catches. And it was like just a little bit less than even odds. And he had five catches in halfway through the first four, first quarter of the game. So it's just ridiculous how they, they run the offense through him. And then real quick, these team futures, I'm not going to get into much, um, Cowboys. I had to lose in the divisional round at, at plus two twenty five. Um, you know, right now their money line odds for this upcoming week is plus one sixty five. So you do get a little bit of juice on, you know, uh, if you took the bet before the, the weekend started or before the playoffs started, uh, bucks, I had to lose wildcard round at minus one fifty five. you know, that, that hit, I guess, um, giants, uh, to lose in the divisional round at plus 200 was a bet that I took, although I didn't really have my full heart into it because I did have them losing, in the wild card round. So I, I really can't take too much credit for that. And it's actually a bad bet because now you can just get giants money line this week at plus two ninety. So similar that to with the uh, chiefs, I have to lose in the divisional round at plus 200, uh, you know, to take the Jaguars money line in that game is plus three sixty. So you're just giving up, you know, plus 160 points worth of juice. So nothing great there. Uh, Eagles to lose in the Super Bowl still alive at plus three thirty. Uh, Vikings to lose in the conference championship game is shot. That was plus 600. Chargers, same story, also plus 600 to losing conference championship game shot. Um, Bengals, I had losing the wild card round shot. And Bills to win the Super Bowl at plus 550 is still alive. So, you know, some some garbage in there, uh, some some things to look forward to. But overall, not not a great start with the team futures if we're, uh, if we're, if we're being honest with ourselves. So let's get on to this lesson learned from this past weekend, this wild card weekend. Um, last week before the game started, I was talking to a buddy of mine, shout out Josh Begletter. And I referenced how the Vikings playing poorly down the stretch could actually win in their favor. Get the ugly out of the way. Don't peak too soon. Save your best, best brand of football for the playoffs. And he responded to that by asking, when was the last time a team playing poorly going into the playoffs was a good thing? And then, you know, eventually took it <laughs> one step further. Like you absolutely have to be playing your best football going into the playoffs or you don't have a chance. And I kind of just chalked up that comment to him being a Giants fan. You know, he experienced two magical runs in 07 
and 11, where the Giants were peaking at the perfect moment, playing, you know, getting hot right at around week 15, and then, you know, using that and, and turning it into a, a Super Bowl winning run. But I, I did some digging, or not even some digging, just kind of going through it in my head. The only like Super Bowl winner I could think of who wasn't playing their best football going to the playoffs was the 09 Saints, which really wasn't the same because they were 13-0 and and then started resting starters when they had the one seed locked up and they finished 13-3, and but they really didn't care about any of those games, uh, especially once they lost to the, I believe, the Panthers to get to 13-1. and They were kind of like, all right, we're not, we're, you know, uh, we're not going perfect here. Let's, let's not, let's not push our luck. We don't want to have what happened to the 07 Patriots happen to us. So, you know, that doesn't really count. And then, you know, I, I remember the, the Tails and 10 Jets lost three of their final five regular season games before the playoff run to the AFC Championship game. The, the Titans lost two of their fa- final three in 2019 before going through Brady and Lamar to get to the AFC Championship game. But honestly, like that, that was about it. it it's, it's abundantly clear that momentum toward the end of the regular season is is key. And while this was pointed out to me before the weekend started, I just chose to ignore it for a really stupid reason. And it's because I was kind of scarred by the Phillies World Series run from this past year, which doesn't even apply. Sports are not apples to apples comparisons. So dumb. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, take a look at the Phillies September schedule they were on the verge of a horrible collapse and then kind of just reset once they flipped the page to October playoff baseball and, you know, just, you know, took off from there and got all the ugliness out of their way and played really, really tight, clean, explosive baseball from there. And I thought, you know, maybe, maybe that could happen for the Vikings, but it's, it's just not the same. You really do have to carry that momentum. So that's the big lesson learned. For next year, um, you know, now it, it doesn't really apply as much. These teams all recently won a game last week. So, you know, no one's no one is playing ugly football going into this divisional round. So not not really going to use that methodology or, or common sense, you might argue, <laughs> going into the divisional round. Um, but yeah, anyway, I digress. Let's uh, let's move into exactly, you know, what, you know, some things went right, but mostly what went wrong with my picks last week. Agenda item number three, wildcard weekend review. First up, we got the 49ers 41, Seahawks 23. And by the way, I'm going to go through these quickly. You know, we, we've all had the chance to review these games on our own and listen to, uh, you know, whatever media to, to consume post-game stuff. So uh, just quick, quick couple, two cents on, on each of these games. Uh, 49ers 41, Seahawks 23. I had 49ers 20, Seahawks 14. I'm actually going to make the argument that my instincts about a poor showing from Brock Purdy were, were right. Some playoff jitters, conservative play calling up front. Um, really, if not for Nick Bosa bailing them out late in the game and getting the, the strip sack, um, this game's completely different and, and a generally low scoring vibe for both teams. Um, what I didn't know, and another shout out to a buddy of mine that I was talking to about the playoffs before this uh, playoff round started, Zach Shiewicz, pointing out a very important thing. This 49ers team is a rare case where the winning quarterback doesn't have to play well and the total can still be smashed on the overside. Their weapons are just that good. Typically, my philosophy is, you know, I think a team is going to play well, but it's not a good spot for a quarterback. 
and they're going to win that game, it's a good spot for an under. If I think the quarterback's going to smash and they're going to win, probably a good spot for an over. It's really that simple. I, I thought 49ers would win, but I didn't think the quarterback would play well. That's why I like the under. And yeah, until the third, until the, you know, halfway through the third quarter, it looked okay, but then it just, it just took off from there. So, you know, I, my, my best bet there was the under, obviously it did not hit, uh, but I, I don't think it was the worst call in the world. Moving on to the Jaguars, 31 chargers, 30. I had the chargers, 26 Jaguars, 22. Honestly, <laughs> I, I was drinking Saturday night. First time drinking in a while. I kind of checked out at 27, nothing. You know, obviously I was watching the game, but not really digesting and paying full attention to to how the comeback was mounted. So I, I went back the next morning, watched the tape. I still don't fully understand what happened. Uh, I'm not even sure anyone does besides some, you know, a, a poorly timed missed field goal, conservative play calling for the Chargers on offense, inability to get a stop, weird Chargers voodoo. I think what it came down to was they played not to lose. I guess that's what happened. And, you know, that that killed them. But Chargers should have won this game. I also stand by <laughs> this pick. So I'm I'm not, like, really taking an L yet through through these first two games, even though I really did like the under in the first one and the Chargers in the, to win in the second one. Moving on to the Bills, 34, Dolphins, 31. I had the Bills 23, Dolphins 14. Um, you know, so I was right that Miami would cover the 13 and a half points, but but not like this. You know, I'll, I'll get more into how I feel about each of these teams going forward from the most impressed, least impressed list, but th- this one's a head scratcher. This one's peculiar. Giants 31, Vikings 24. I had Vikings 31, Giants 23. So, I was on the nose with this game. Like for a lot of things, except I just got the teams wrong, um, which obviously means I was totally right, but uh, which means I was totally wrong. But anyway, um, you know, I, I thought while, and you could, you know, listen back to what I said about this game. I thought it would be competitive, but the Vikings offense would just ultimately prove to be too much for the Giants to keep up with. Too much to handle. It'll be back and forth, but eventually the Vikings will score an extra touchdown. Basically, is what it, what I thought would, it would come down to, and you you know you could see that in my score prediction. Um, you know, I, I I just had the scores reversed. Um, it just like the exact opposite. The Vikings were in the game the whole time, but just couldn't keep up with the counter punches. The Giants were just throwing at them relentlessly. Anytime the Vikings got momentum, the Giants just ripped it back with a 75 to 80 yard touchdown drive on, you know, anywhere between five plays and 19 plays. Just a really, really nice showing from the offense. Um, You know, the Vikings pass defense was obviously bad this year, but I'm not taking anything away from the Giants. There is really, really incredible what they did. Bengals 24. Ravens 17. I had Ravens 17, Bengals 16. And, uh, you know, oh man, what could have been for my upset special of the week could have put me on the map. The pain. It was right there. 
until Sam Hubbard took a fumble just about, I think it was officially credited at 98 yards to the house, but I, that, that felt like a true 99 yards to the house. Um, but honestly, it was never going to happen for the Ravens. You know, I, I, obviously I got nervous when Lamar wasn't playing and the way he broke the no, the news over social media, but I, I still like the money line appeal of it because of the just hard fought AFC North style of this game, which certainly proved to be the case. But, you know, I started getting more nervous about my pick when I then heard that Lamar didn't even travel with the team. And I absolutely knew there was no way the football gods were letting this Ravens team win on Sunday night after John Harbaugh's just embarrassing on-field interview. Something was wrong with this team the entire second half of the season. And you heard it in J.K. Dobbins' voice during his post-game press conference as well. It's the type of dysfunction I just never truly believed was coming out of Baltimore until I saw it on, on Sunday night with my own eye test. So Ravens uh, are eliminated. Bengals 24, Ravens 17. Almost had the upset, but you know, I, I don't even feel great about that pick anymore. And then finally, Cowboys 31, Bucks 14. I had Cowboys 29, Bucks 17. So I would say this was the game I got most right. I had the Cowboys covering. I had them doing it pretty convincingly. And I had the under. So, you know, pretty much nailed that all around. Just a total of five points off from getting the exact score right. Um, too many people just ignored that not only were the books the Bucks not playing good football down the stretch, they never played good football this year. And Todd Bowles embarrassed himself on Monday night. Um, yeah, I think it's just time for us to to move on f- from the idea of him ever being a head coach in this league. Uh, you know, we all wanted it for him. He's a likable guy, but it's this is not the job for him. Um, nice showing from Dallas, but to be honest, they faced the worst competition of the week, and that includes the Seattle Seahawks. It includes the Skylar Thompson Miami Dolphins. The Bucks were were that bad. I, I'm I'm not sure Tom Brady beats Skylar Thompson right now. So, you know, not, you know, going back to what I was saying about how the Vikings' pass defense was bad, but I'm not taking away from the Giants. In this case, the Bucks were bad, and I'm kind of taken away from the Cowboys a little bit. So I'll, I'll get into ex- a little bit more detail here with my least impressed and most impressed list. So I'm going to start with the losers. And I'm going to go in order of the teams I was least impressed with. Ultimate leading up to a few teams that I was actually pretty impressed with in, in losing fashion. I'm sure you can guess where this is going. The The first team I'm, I'm least impressed with was the Bucs. Um, it starts with the coaching. The punt that Todd Bowles called down multiple scores. You know, in a game that already felt like it was getting a little bit out of hand, fourth and two from the 50, just enough of it. What are you doing? You know, I, I, in 2016, I went to Jet Steelers game in Pittsburgh and I witnessed the exact same thing. And I didn't even realize how much of an issue it was at the time because going for it on fourth down wasn't as commonplace in those situations as it is now. And I myself was a little bit more conservative back then before all the analytics mumbo jumbo stuff that I've bought into a little bit uh, has, has come to the scene. But, you know, that was six years ago. 
six and a half years ago. I think it was October 9th was the, of 2016 was the date of that game. Six and a half years ago, and he still hasn't learned a lesson. It's just pathetic. So I'm, I'm not, I was not impressed with the Bucks all season. Obviously, they were you know under 500. Um, just just really poor showing. Brady looked awful. Um, the pass defense, uh, you know, Carlson Davis. Uh, I I really wanted the Jets to give him anything he wanted from a free agency standpoint. So glad they avoided that disaster. He played terribly. Um, you know, their their linebackers already look old with Devin White and um, Alante David. Who's the other one? Sorry about that. Um, anyway, they're like already starting to look old. It's it's uh, they they have two players, Vita Vea and Rashad White, and I was not impressed by Mike Evans and Chris Godwin had a nice day, but not impressed with Mike Evans this year. They are old and boring, and I don't know where they go from here. You know, Brady can bail you out, but if he's gone, this is one of the worst teams in football. Next up of the least impressed I was of the losers, the Minnesota Vikings. Um, just a, a uh, um, they, they got the, the, the shit kicked out of them. They got their asses handed to them by the Giants team. And while they put together some nice scoring drives, the game was over on, you know, uh, fourth down and their second drive when it was tied seven, seven, you know, they're getting chunk play after chunk play, six yards, five yards, seven yards, 12 yards. And on fourth and two, they decide to run a, or it may have been third and two, sorry. But anyway, they decide to run this trick play. They get gimmicky in the first quarter of a seven, seven game when they're cruising and it gets snuffed out immediately. And it was over from there. Um, had no response for just preventing wide receivers from running wide open all over the field, completely outcoached by another rookie head coach. Yeah, that excuse goes out the window for the Vikings and their rookie head coach when the opponent has the same thing except they're on the road and is outclassed you know, outclassing you by a hundredfold. Just an embarrassment for the Vikings who were probably the worst 13 and 14 or 12 and 14, whatever. I, I can never remember. So not impressed with where the Vikings go from here, what they're showing and what they do from here. Um, you know, I think Kirk, there's a, something about him getting restructured and coming back. How can you do that? Just just move on. It's not happening. He's one in three lifetime in the playoffs. It was his third playoff appearance. He's like 35 years old. Anyway, next up, we have the Los Angeles Chargers who, um, you know, inexcusably let up, uh, you know, just uh, blew a 27-point lead. Um, you know, they, they really never even deserved to have that lead. Their offense was not good. But they turned interceptions deep in opponent territory into some points. Bought themselves this cushion. And, you know, I'm not going to take away from Asante Samuel, who 
played out of his mind on on Saturday night. But, you know, if they didn't have those turnovers, I'm not sure they scored more than 10 points that game. Their offense was not good. Their coaching was horrible. They, um, you know, like I said earlier, played not to lose. And they they haven't fired their coach yet. And they absolutely should have. So, you know, I, I, I don't know how they can stomach running it back with, with Staley, but um, they need some major changes, especially on defense. Their defense is very expensive and very ineffective. Cleo Mack did nothing this year. J.C. Jackson did nothing this year. Joey Boso is a liability of a human being. They need to really rethink what they've got going on in defense. And they need to let Justin Herbert throw the ball further than six yards down the field because he doesn't do that. He played a totally different sport than Josh Allen did on this weekend. He's one of the biggest arms in recent history, and they don't even let him throw the ball. So they need to change everything up. They did fire their offensive coordinator, which is good. Next up, we have the Dallas Cowboys. And now we're getting to a more... Oh, sorry, not the Dallas Cowboys. They won. What am I saying? Um... Sorry, I have something wrong with my notes. I have the the Ravens. Um, So Ravens are, you know, approaching neutrality here. You know, I'm I'm more unimpressed with how the second half of the season went than Sunday night specifically, because obviously they fought really hard with a backup quarterback. But, um, you know, this was, we saw some ugliness from this team this year, some drama that we're really not accustomed to. And they need to figure out what exact what what the root cause of this is. Maybe it's Lamar. Maybe it's the head coach doesn't get along with him. Maybe they choose the head coach over him. Maybe they choose Lamar over the head coach. But um, and and that might not even be what the the root issue is. But there there's some sort of foundational issue with this team where they they really only looked like a truly cohesive dominant playoff team really once this year, and that was Monday night against the Saints when they just beat the crap out of a bad team. But aside from that, even their week one comfortable win against the Jets wasn't very impressive. They lost to the Giants, lost to the Jaguars, you know, barely squeaked out a win against the Broncos. Just, you know, ugliness all around. Not the Ravens we're used to. So, you know, not not unimpressed with their effort on Sunday night unimpressed with this season for the Ravens. Now I'm starting to move into some teams I'm actually pretty impressed with in a losing effort. We have the Seattle Seahawks next, um, who, who were in the game late into the third quarter um, and and never had no business being in the playoffs just a year, you know, the same year as tearing it all down. So, you know, really, really impressive what Pete Carroll did this year. Really impressive what Geno Smith did. Um Decision-making from a front office standpoint was really impressive. DK Metcalf showed up on Saturday. That was cool to see. Um, yeah, they, they killed the draft. Um, they got a little bit exposed on the defensive side, but they have some playmakers back there that are super young. So really impressed with the Seahawks. N- nothing to be ashamed of, um, you know, eventually losing by, you know, close to 30, whatever it was against, the, or, you know, actually it was only, only uh, 20 or so. So yeah, just, you know, good effort. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're going to be interesting next, next year. And then finally the Miami dolphins, 
um, you know, this, this really felt like they were the better team at every position besides a, you know, pro bowl quarterback versus a third string quarterback. And it, like the they they really didn't let the Pro Bowl quarterback just ruin the game entirely, um, so they they were toe to toe with one of the AFC favorites with Skylar Thompson, a quarterback that could that lost to the Jets and could barely beat them the second time around. Um, I don't think he won a single game for them this year, uh, besides that week Jets the Jets week eighteen game. So, you know. Really impressive. It really felt like it was the start of a, a really good thing that they have going on with Mike McDaniel. And, you know, it proved to be a really good decision to move on from Brian Flores last year. And uh, this this team will be back. You know, I'm not sure the Seahawks are back in the playoffs next year. The Dolphins are right there. They are. So let's move on to the most impressed of the winners, but in reverse order. So I'm actually going to start with, similar to the last round, the least impressed of the winners, moving on to most impressed. We're starting with the Bills. So that same game I was just talking about, um, you can't beat a third-string quarterback by three points at home when you're 13.5-point favorites. And you look at their, you know, their, their, their second half of the year, really ever since beating the crap out of the Rams week one and then beating the crap out of the Vikings, uh, the, the Titans week two, you know, looking back at their final few games, um, you know, they, they beat the Patriots only on two Naeem Hines kick return touchdowns, beat the Bears handily, whatever, worst team in football, but barely got by the Dolphins at home, barely got by the Jets at home, um, you know, almost lost to the Lions on Thanksgiving. The Browns were right there with them. They lost to the Vikings, lost to the Jets. You know, it's just a really uh, some some real concerns there. Their offense is just Josh Allen run or Josh Allen throw to Stephon Diggs, just chucking the ball up deep down the field. So reliant on that. It's honestly kind of hard to watch. And they play so slow. The clock stops so much. So many incomplete passes. It was a really sloppy showing. And their defense is not not as tough as it was the past two years. You can score on them. So not impressed with the Bills, but, you know, as dangerous as as really any other team. Next up is the Bengals, another team, another AFC favorite that, um, like, I don't understand how they won this game. I mean, they got a one of the most game projection reversing single plays you'll ever see. It just bailed out by that. You know, it's a good home atmosphere, but they won't have that again for the rest of the run. Um, you know, it's going to be, it's a really interesting game that these two teams that are supposed to be powerhouses um, really, really didn't look uh, all that good wild card weekend. So maybe they, they got some ugliness out and they're ready to go next week. But um, I don't know. Both teams are super vulnerable right now. Next up, the Jaguars, um, you know, Got to tip the cap, of course, to uh, a 27-point comeback and, and just the, what the head coach did to rally the troops in the second half. But, um, you know, obviously all these teams won games, so I'm impressed with all of them besides the Bills and Bengals. But I, I chalk up a lot of it to the Chargers blowing that game more than the Jaguars going out and winning that game. So I'm TBD on them. I kind of think they get their their doors blown off against the Chiefs 
uh, this weekend, which is not a hot take, but I think some people are valuing them as as a sneaky money line underdog team, and I, I just don't see that for them. Next up is the Cowboys. I spoke to this a little bit already. Um, you know, I'm I'm not sure if the uh, you know Cowboys played well or if the Bucks just were awful. And you know, it's just it's it's tough to make too much of a statement. So they're kind of in the neutral camp. Uh, now the teams I was the two teams I was most impressed with on the weekend. Next up is the 49ers, where they clearly did not have their A game for about sixty five percent of the game, and then we saw what their A game is, and it's just ridiculous. And that's a testament to how veteran they are to not get panicked. You know, good leadership from a coaching staff and and player personnel. They're just so talented, both sides of the ball. Um, you know that that fourth quarter was um, fun to watch, and they've got a a great home home field advantage, and they get another home game this weekend. Um, they're 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 cruising right now. I think that was their ninth straight win, something like that. And then finally, the team I was most impressed with, and I've talked about this already, the New York Giants. Um, just just handled their competition with aplomb wire to wire well not they went down seven nothing but after going down seven nothing we're we're just completely dominant the rest of the game so you know if their offense can can cook like that with guys just running wide open and daniel jones putting it on the money and taking off and picking up the seven to 18 yards when he when he uses his feet Man, it's dangerous. It's really dangerous. And the defense got stops when it needed to. And, you know, it's not an easy place to play defense. So you got to you gotta hand to that defense. We're only letting up 24 points and the offense for just throwing those counter punches. So let's move on to some divisional round thoughts. Um, I'll go game by game. Again, I'm not making picks, score predictions just yet. Just talking through the, the over-unders a little bit and you know, what, what I'm seeing out of these teams. So right now, Jaguars at Chiefs through the Saturday 430 game. The the line is currently Chiefs minus eight and a half over under 53. Um, I like, I talked about this already. Um, you know, I, I like the Chiefs just to kind of use this as a tune-up game a little bit. Um, I, I don't see it for the Jaguars. I don't know how they keep pace. Um, they really didn't when these two teams met in Arrowhead in the regular season. Um it's just uh, a, a complete mismatch uh, on on both sides of the ball. Really, I, I don't see how the Jaguars' offense can can possibly keep up with them because this Chiefs' defense is actually pretty tough. Um, who's stopping the Travis Kelsey over the middle crossing route? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I mean, uh, the Jaguars are like the Chiefs are who the Jaguars want to be, but it's just you, you don't get to the Chiefs' level overnight. And I like the under in this game because I think the Chiefs win, you know, easily and the Jaguars don't keep up and, you know, it just eventually fizzles out somewhere around 30 to 13, something like that. Not making that an official prediction, but I feel pretty strongly about that one. The Giants then at 8.15 p.m. Saturday night go to Philly and total different tone in my voice here. Um, this just feels like a really vulnerable spot for the Eagles. And I'm not sure if they get away with an ugly win. They, they, you know, of course they have it within the realm of possibility to win this game by 30 points. They've done it this year, but, um, with the way these two teams have been playing recently, it doesn't feel like that's what's going to happen. In fact, it feels like 
and ugly, grinded out, defensive minded first game where the Giants can 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 go into Philly and steal a win. Um, you know they're they're healthier, they've got better momentum. Eagles weren't playing all that great down the stretch. And yeah, they didn't necessarily have to. I would say it's more in line with the 09 Saints than the 2022 Vikings with how they were playing poorly down the stretch. But um, I don't know. There's some concern there. And, you know, the Eagles are are generally pretty healthy too, but um, not not as healthy as the Giants. And uh, they, the Eagles can't lose this game and the Giants are playing with house money. So interesting spot. Um, it, it's It's got real classic playoff football written all over it. Sunday, 3 o'clock Eastern time, we have the, um, yeah, it's not the most high-profile game, but I think a lot of people are most excited for this game and have this game circled. We have the Bengals. Oh, by the way, I didn't go into the lines of the last one. The Giants are getting 7.5 points in Philly with an over-under of 48. Um, I called it ugly already, and you know, I think you, you could tell I like the, the idea of Giants plus 7.5. Moving on to the Bengals, who are getting 5.5 points in Buffalo. I was shocked by this line. I thought at the most it would be 3.5. I thought there was a world where the Bengals could be favored. But I think the most motivating factor in this line is the fact that Joe Burrow has not yet played well in a playoff game. <laughs> and he's 4-1 and one in the playoffs in his career. And he's done it on the backs of his defense. And that's not how the Bills have won their playoff games. In fact, it's, you know, aside from beating the Ravens in the divisional round 17-3 in 2020, every other win has been... Yeah, like a Josh Allen Diggs masterclass. So, you know, I, I this five and a half points is super interesting. It makes me think the Bills are kind of going to blow them out. Um, and you know, obviously, I, I have concerns about the Bills, but um, I think the evidence is there that there's more concern about the Bengals. Forty-eight points. I, I think this goes way over. You know, the, the Bengals play some defense, but I think the Bills are going to score in this game, which means the Bengals are going to have to score, and the Bills don't really play defense. So this game could could just fly over. Um, but I, I, I lean toward the Bills laying the points. And then finally, this is, I think, the game of the week. Most interesting. We have the Cowboys, who are getting four points, going to San Francisco. And I, I hate to be this guy that's going to keep, picking against Brock Purdy until he proves me right and doesn't have the chance to, to prove me wrong. But um, I don't know. Like, is he really Tom Brady? Like, is that really what we're watching right here? I can't, I can't, I'm not committing to that just yet. I think there were concerns with how the, you know, how he played in the first half and, you know, maybe he's got some jitters again on Sunday and, you know, the Cowboys don't let him off the hook like the Seahawks did. And, you know, I, I, I think uh, this game, in my opinion, is much closer to a toss-up than it is four points. You know, the Cowboys play a similar brand of football where they are really tough on defense. And, and people don't think of the Cowboys in that sense. You know, historically, they're an offensive-minded first team. But right now... 
2022, the Cowboys are a defensive first team. And they're a run-the-ball team. And they're a team that can play a similar fashion to the 49ers and, you know, maybe, maybe uh, you know, play just as hard-nosed as they do and, you know, play with veterans and leadership, which they have in spades. It is a really, really fun game. Really, really classic playoff football game coming here. I, I love the NFC games this week compared to the AFC games. I think the NFC games are going to be great. I think they're going to make you feel more nostalgic to, you know, maybe 2000s football than, you know, 2010s, 2020 football, which we'll see with the Bengals and Bills and Chiefs and Jaguars. And, and you know, I've mentioned I've got some boomer in me. That's the boomer in me talking. I, I, I miss that you know, sloppy, hard-hitting, ugly playoff football in, in January. I don't, I don't need that in September and in October. I need it in January. I think we get that out of the NFC this year, this year. So those are my thoughts on those games. Again, no, no, no picks, official picks locked in, but I think you know where I'm headed with these, these games. I'll have official stuff, um, you know, tweeted out for, for next week, uh, for, for this weekend. And then finally, yeah, some division round props. Again, there's, there's not much up there. So I'll speak to the ones that are available and then I'll move on to some ideas that I'm having. Um, start with the ones that are available highest scoring game the Bengals and Bills are second in line in this category at plus 290 the Jags Chiefs are plus 160 I don't see the Jaguars scoring enough to do this I love the Bengals Bills at nearly three to one for this bet um that's probably my favorite bet of the week lowest scoring game um you know the the uh, NFC games are there. The Cowboys Niners are, are the lead at plus 190 uh, I prefer to go with the Giants Eagles at plus 250 um I think these teams just have a little bit, uh, you know, if the giants are going to win this game, it's going to be something like, you know, 20 to 17. And I'm starting to lean that way. And I think the Cowboys can upset the 49ers winning more of like 27, 24. But I think if the giants win, it's going to be ugly and low and you can get two and a half to one on that, that game being the lowest of the week. Highest scoring team, the Bills, shockingly third on this list. The Chiefs are plus 200. The Eagles are plus 400. Next up is the Bills at plus 450. I love that. At home. Yeah, love it. Love it. So that's my other favorite of the week. And then lowest scoring team. Um, the Giants are plus 300. They're the leaders. Um, could be them. Cowboys plus 400. Bengals are also plus 400. I don't understand that one as much. Um, give, give me the Jaguars at plus 450, lowest scoring team of the week. Run out of gas. Cinderella story comes crashing down. Um, they, they play a real opponent, a real playoff opponent in the Chiefs, as opposed to the the Chargers who are, are just, um, what's the word? Not fraudulent, just fake. I, I don't know, fictional. <laughs> that wasn't a real playoff game. Uh, this is a real playoff game and it's a different world for them. And, um, yeah, I, 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 I like the idea of them going, going low this week. So Jaguars are plus 450 and Hey, the Eagles are plus 1500. So don't, don't be afraid there. If you're, you're feeling spicy for the lowest scoring team of the week. Um, some ideas that I like, you know, if I like, a, a game to be high scoring. I'm going to lean toward uh, the, the highest, uh, you know, leading receiver or leading quarterback coming out of that week. So I'm going to like Diggs and Josh Allen. 
Um, but who knows? Maybe it's a Gabe Davis type of day. So that that's something I could be looking at for some more speculation. Um, you know, don't I? I don't see it out of any of the NFC games. You know, maybe like a, a Juju Smith Schuster game, one of those random games where he goes off, something like that. So those two games, I'm going to pick a highest receiver out of highest. You know, most passing yards is going to be tough because it's clearly going to be you know. Burrow, Allen, or Mahomes, and uh, they'll they'll probably have the lowest odds. So we'll I'll have to make a decision on that one. Where when I see the numbers, and then finally, most rushing yards. You know, McCaffrey's going to be the leader in this by a lot, but you know why not? Why not Saquon? They kept him fresh last week with nine carries, something like that. You know why 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 can't it be? Why can't it be Saquon? Um, when when those numbers come out, maybe they really lean on him this game to to carry them to the, the NFC championship game. So nothing official yet there, or the, those aren't out yet, but you know, those are my thoughts. So would love to uh, hear you rub it in my face about how wrong I was about your team, especially giants fans last week. I think a, a lot of you are listening to this. Um, you know, tell me about what, what you think is right and wrong coming up. Subscribe, rate, review, you know, do, do all those good things. Thank you for listening. Appreciate it as always. See ya. Play a little Monday morning QB. Who we picking for tonight? You'll just have to wait and see. We got the covers over unders and the fumblers and runners. All you need is right here. The eye test is where the fist is. The eye test. You know we better than the rest. We keep it real. We never lying from the gridiron to diamond talking Mets, Jets, and bets. It's the eye test. This is the eye test. You know we better than the rest. We keep it real. We never lying from the gridiron to diamond talking.